Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back. Today I'm joined by a return guest and a beautiful friend of mine, Cassandra Wilder. So she was on the podcast many months ago. It was actually episode number 59. And we talked about the menstrual cycle and the different phases and how to support each phase, feminine energy and overcoming sexual shame. So definitely recommend checking that one out if you haven't already. But for those who don't know Cassandra or who haven't um, listened to the first one, she is a naturopathic doctor and the world's leading expert in women's cycles and menstruation. She travels around the world leading retreats, seminars and courses to teach women how to work with their bodies and innate cycles to find balance. Known for her passion and wisdom in women's wellness and reproductive health, she is a renowned expert in bridging the gap between science and spirituality. She is also the CEO of Goddess Ceremony and host of the Goddess Ceremony podcast, which if you enjoy this podcast, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of similar vibes and love hers as well. So in this episode, we it was kind of conversational style. So we chatted a little bit about a lot of different things. We gave lots of tips from both perspectives on conditions like PCOS, PMS, irregular cycles, and other hormone imbalances. Just things that we both clinically found to work. A lot of it is the simple stuff. So I wanted to do a lot of um, basic information, just reminding you of the importance of those things. And then we chatted about how to connect to your intuition and your feminine energy and um, really slow down and tap into your body and give it what it needs rather than listening to everyone's advice and the diet dogma that's out there. And then we finished up on just a few fun little quick fire questions for Cassandra. So we had a really great time recording. I'm sure she's gonna come on again because I really love chatting with her. So definitely listen to the other episode and hope you enjoy this one. I thought we could chat about some of the main hormonal imbalances and then give our both like naturopathic approach to them and then awesome. i've got some questions i did a question box a couple of weeks ago and one yesterday and i've got a lot of like period problem questions skin issue questions so i thought we could both kind of chime in and give our opinions does that sound good awesome. yeah yeah because okay. i know you yeah i think we probably are very complimentary in that i know yes. you know a lot more about certain things than i do yeah we'll see so i know you've been on before so if the listeners are new and they haven't listened to the episode I'll put the first one in the show notes to refer back to but could you just introduce yourself tell us who you are and what you do sure my name is Cassandra and I'm a naturopathic doctor with a specialization in women's cyclical health and menstruation so I help women get down to the root of their chronic period problems and I'm a huge advocate uh, in changing the the standard that says periods are supposed to be painful horrible full of uh, symptoms and getting down to why it is we've been brainwashed to believe that periods have to be terrible. 
and also why so many women are truly having such chronic issues around their periods. So yeah, I feel like I'm coming in like a bull in a china shop sometimes <laughs> of like, we've all been lied to and we need to get to the root of this. Mm -hmm. And we've just been chatting off air about the whole state of the world. So it's currently November 5th, election results day in the US. UK have just announced the um, another month, well, they say a month lockdown here. So the world is a little bit crazy. I know with my clients, um, a lot of them have had a flare up of symptoms. So that they were doing pretty good for a while, their skin was clearing up. And now because they're having to wear masks all the time, mm. the acne is exploding, um, people's periods have gone, MIA, or they're like really terrible. Have you seen the same thing? Totally. It's interesting because at the beginning of the year when people were like have like forced to stay home, yeah, at first I was like, this is great. People are having to slow down, their self-care is really good. So I was seeing improvements with clients. And then like right now, yeah, as we're starting to see the messages, like I've been spotting for six months. Is that bad? And you're like, whoa, yeah, we should talk. Quite some further <laughs> investigation, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I want to talk about today. Like some simple tips, because I know in the nutrition and wellness world, it can get a little bit too kind of um, complex. And there's all of these tools and supplements and herbs that people can go to. I do want to give some simplistic tips um, and some of the things that we've seen work with clients during today's episode. So I think we're going to go through some of the main hormone imbalances that we both work with and then give our opinion on how we would address that both mental, emotionally, physically, diet and nutrition wise, just giving a general overview. Um, and obviously people want to dig in further and get to the root cause. Either of us could help them do that. So the first one is good old PMS. So there's <laughs> obviously different symptoms involved in this and it can be different degrees of severity. Like someone can just have a little bit of um, mood swings and breast tenderness whereas someone, they're like a completely different person and they're borderline, borderlining on PMDD. So just as an overview, can you explain why PMS happens in the first place and just some of the first things that you'd recommend to someone? Yeah, that's such a good question. Well, as you know, people talk about PMS as a set of symptoms, mental and physical, that come on, especially in the luteal phase of the cycle, so right before the period starts. And like you said, it's a massive scale of severity. Some people are just a little irritable. Some people, they can't function. They can't have a normal job. It, it disrupts uh, everything about their lives. So I find that PMS is one of those ones you have to address on the physical and emotional level because there's always two parts to it. So physically, you know, if you were to Google PMS, they say there's no known cause, no known cure, just something you have to live with. But you and I know that hormonally, there can be a massive correlation between what progesterone is doing in that luteal phase of the cycle. So especially if we are low in progesterone, we tend to see PMS symptoms far worse because progesterone is supposed to be this like happy, zen, calming hormone. And so if we're low in that, then we don't have that zen, calm feeling. We do feel irritable. So when I'm addressing the physical side with clients, um, definitely looking at why the body's not making enough progesterone. So we look at adrenal health and thyroid health. I find little things though, like vitamin C can make a massive difference physically in helping the body make more progesterone. So the emotional layer is always what I, I guess I get more excited about with PMS. And we think of PMS as premenstrual syndrome. And I would just like to reframe this or shift shift what we even think these words mean in terms of prioritize myself. 
So I see PMS. Yeah. I see PMS all the time in the ambitious woman. So the kind of client who comes in, who's a mom, runs her own business. She's running all over the place. Self-care is like laughable to her. She's so gung-ho and ambitious. And I love that. We're the same way. But these are the women that are giving and giving and giving until they have nothing left. And so usually if we can start to shift that idea around how do you care for yourself, especially in that luteal phase of your cycle, when was the last time you made time for something just you want to do? That can be really revolutionary. So if we feel those PMS symptoms come on and I do the same, certainly looking at how's my diet been, am I supplementing well, but also have I been neglecting myself? Do you find that too? Absolutely. Yeah. People think self-care because it is um, kind of portrayed to be like bubble baths and go to a spa and have a facial. It doesn't (laughs) need to look like that at all. It could be literally sitting at your window in the chair drinking a cup of tea and like being in silence for five minutes or it could be putting on your favorite album on your speaker dancing around the kitchen (laughs) as self-care so it's that's why people can be um they they don't want to get into it they're like yeah i don't have time for self-care that's not who i am but it's because they're thinking that it needs to take an hour it needs to be like one specific thing, but it needs to be just something that you love doing, something that passes the time and something that calms your nervous system. Because if I was to tell someone who hates meditation to go and sit in an hour meditation every morning, they're going to come out of that more stressed and more anxious right. and have more PMS. So it's very bio-individual. Totally. And I have some other specific questions around PMS. I'll come kind of add them in at this point. Someone's asking about bioidentical progesterone. So I know my views is that there's a time and a place for it. I can't prescribe, so I'm not a doctor, so I I can't prescribe that anyway. There are some creams and things that could be used um, that sometimes come in useful, especially for things like luteal phase defects. Um, But uh, my thing is always like, why do you have the low progesterone in the first place rather than just doing what conventional or allopathic doctors do, just band-aiding, oh, you have a low level of this, let's just give it you and not actually deal with the root of the problem. So do you as a naturopathic doctor prescribe bioidenticals or any of these other like yam based creams that are out there on the market? Good question. I'm the same as you in that, yeah, I feel like we're not getting to the point of it if we're just saying, well, your progesterone's low, so here's some cream. Um, I think bioidentical, similar to you, definitely has its time and place in, I would dare to say rare circumstances. I don't think it's nearly as useful as people think it is. And there's a lot of long-term side effects that come with it as well. And it really, really fires me up when I think about women that go through menopause, especially who are kind of told their body's incapable of going through menopause and you need these things. Otherwise you'll fall apart. You'll have hot flashes forever. It's such a disempowering view of aging. Um, I think exactly. Really Our bodies have been designed. Like we've survived and managed for since the beginning of time so although the world has changed quite significantly this is our body knows what to do and if you are symptomatic and if the perimenopausal journey is like the worst time of your life that just tells me that your health status probably hasn't been the best you haven't been taking care of your body for the 10 20 years prior and there's just some imbalances that need to be looped into so it's not a deficiency of a cream <laughs> it's Are you sure? Something in your life that's not working um, at yes. that moment in time. Very well said. Yeah. 
And someone also asked about breast tenderness um, and whether iodine deficiency um, can play a role. So with iodine, I know that that's like a bit of a tricky area because obviously it's an essential nutrient. We need it to function optimally, but too much of it can be a little bit stimulating, especially if you have autoimmune thyroid conditions. So do you use iodine regularly? I know that some practitioners like absolutely love it and give like mega doses, like grams of iodine a day. And then there's other people who are like, I never use it. We get enough from diet. So what are your thoughts? I've had, I feel like I've gone on every side of the spectrum with iodine because yeah, I remember being in naturopathic school and them saying, if your iodine's out of balance, your body can't assimilate or process any other mineral in the whole body. So then I remember taking massive amounts of iodine and I did develop a thyroid issue at that time because of it. So my thyroid was enlarged. People said my eyes looked like they were bigger. Gosh. Like it was, yeah, because I was doing too much of a good thing. So um, for me personally, with clients, usually I'm opting for more food sources. So like high quality seaweed or kelp or something like that. Um, because I do think it's such a delicate balance. Have you found the right balance for people yeah definitely i would rule out the thyroid autoimmunity in the first place otherwise it's just adding fuel to the fire um and there's different types of iodine as well i do like the food sources first um but there's a particular brand i don't know if you use cell core products um mm. they have a lot of like parasite cleansing things that i've been using recently but they have an iodine and it's bioactive it's bound to carbon um or like humic fulvic acid so unlike the Lugol's iodine that people will like lather all over their body, um, that one can really detox the halide family. So the, the fluoride and the bromide um, chlorine that's in the body, they can cause like a detox reaction. Um, whereas this other one that I've been using with clients, because it's bound to humic and fulvic acid, it grabs onto the um, fluoride, the bromine, the chloride. Um, so you don't get so much of a reaction. So I've been using that, but like very low dose, they come in little ca uh, tablets and people are literally breaking the tablet up, going very slowly. Um, and it can be an acne trigger for some people. So that's why I'm like, mm. so some people, it really depends. But I've had some people with like chronic breast tenderness and they start taking iodine um, and things like fibrocystic breasts. I know that, that can be mm. related as well. And they have seen good success. So I know we Excellent. both can't give like a general, yes, it's good. Take it if you have that problem. Um, but yeah, I've seen it to work in some pe people. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what about acne? Because um, this can come in to the PMS things, which people are noticing a cyclical pattern with their skin every month around ovulation, the week before the period, they're getting breakouts along the lower part of the face. What mm -hmm. are some tips? that them um, either topically or diet wise um that you want to you want to share yeah acne is so interesting as you know i know you specialize in it hugely um and especially when it's cyclical it does tell me hormones every time and then usually it is like the area you just defined so around the chin or the low jaw and um, for me what i tend to see when it's in the luteal phase is the body was not detoxing estrogen efficiently enough at the beginning part of the cycle. So there's some sort of buildup. For these people, I tend to just go straight internal. I find that that is just where I find more success. Uh, and I'm not trained in skin, like, you know, mm -hmm. skin products, or I'm not an esthetician or anything like that. So what I do is just go inside. 
Um, and these people I tend to find either are not eliminating well, so they're not going to the bathroom at least once a day. These tend to be my clients who finally admit like, Cassandra, I go like twice a week. Is that okay? Oh, no. I'm like, no, <laughs> we got, we got to get you moving. Like that's like step number one, get the bowel yeah. moving. Exactly, exactly. And then looking at why their body's not detoxing estrogen. So why do they have a buildup of likely some sort of xenoestrogen or false estrogen? So what kind of sanitary products are they using? Um, I'm a huge proponent of vaginal steaming, and I do find that that helps a lot of clients, especially who do have this buildup kind of thing, because these clients tend to also have very dark, mucousy, clot-filled menstrual blood too, which again tells me there's just a stagnation in that space. So that's definitely an option. Um, as well. And um, yeah, I think just the, the normal hormone balancing with whatever other indicators we're seeing. Mm -hmm. yeah, we touched on that. the vaginal steaming last time in the episode. So if anyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, go back and listen to that one because it was mentioned then, along with things like um, yoni eggs or jade eggs. And you'll be proud. I got my first. Look at you. Yoni egg. They came in a little pack. Oh, how cute. What kind of stone is that? Um, I can't remember what it's called. Um, hang on. So there were some different ones. I think it's opalite. Am I mm. saying that right? Mm -hmm. so it can help to remove energy blockages, rebalance hormones, and enhancing self-love. So there was different options. Rose quartz, carnelian, mm. aventurine. I have no idea. I'm new into the whole crystal world. But I thought you'd be <laughs> proud that I I'm so proud. got them. <laughs> so can you share if anyone again is like, what the hell are you sharing with us? Um, <laughs> what is the benefits of the vaginal steaming? Just a brief overview and the yoni or jade eggs. Yeah. Vaginal steaming is a very ancient practice. It was done by midwives to help women heal after birth. And if anyone's given birth, then they know that especially that perineum area, whether you have to get an episiotomy or you are tearing, um, healing really for a lot of women never happens fully. They always feel like something is off in that space with some sort of scar tissue. Um, and it was later used in other capacities. So to help with chronic yeast infections, to help with fertility, to help with cleansing, um, to help with cysts and fibroids. So there's a huge amount of history around it, but because at least in the US, less than 1% of women give birth with a midwife, it was an art that was really just lost because we didn't have the woman to woman care anymore. We went into more industrial buildings where that practice was lost. So it's exceptionally amazing. Um, I recommend most of my clients do it twice a month. You can blend your own herbs if you know a lot about herbs or you can buy them prepackaged and if, if it sounds confusing, just YouTube it. <laughs> yeah, there's a YouTube video for everything these days. <laughs> exactly. And um, then, um, yeah, and then with the jade eggs, those are great for pelvic floor stuff. So if you pee your pants when you go on a trampoline or do a jumping jack, or um, I have clients that are in, you know, marathon runners, and they will tell me, especially at certain times of your cycle, they, they literally are pee their pants while they're running. And so that's 100% a pelvic floor kind of thing. So wonderful to add that small amount of weight into the vaginal canal while we're doing something like Kegels. Um, and if you're into more of the spiritual energy side of it, these stones do have a lot of medicinal properties. So mm -hmm. it's a win-win. Good. I'm the pretty. And they're pretty. Yeah. <laughs> they're a good conversation starter. You just I leave them, you know, on your coffee table. Or... 
I'm glad that you mentioned though the whole um, community aspect of it. Like our genes expect us to be in community and like this whole lockdown thing, no wonder that people are having um, depression and anxiety from the social isolation side. But particularly as women, could you talk about the importance of like friendships um, and not just online, like in, in person, physical connection, intimacy? Men, with males and females the importance of that for our overall health and hormones oh my gosh i don't think it can be said enough but yeah it is in our dna to connect we used to live in small intimate villages and communities and tribes where yeah touch was part of our daily practice where i went as women we would retreat maybe into the red tent and bleed together and have that time of sisterhood or sharing and then certainly around men we would have that protective feeling we would feel like they are there to help hold the, the container for us, as we could say. And it is really devastating this year, especially to realize that most of us are so deficient. A friend of mine just went to a, some sort of a natural health conference and she was saying like, I didn't know how deeply I missed being touched until I was seeing some old friends and getting to hug them. And wow, like my heart just broke hearing that, realizing we're all so deficient. So I think that's going to have a mental health impact that we may not fully understand for years. And I especially wonder about the little kids mm -hmm. right now. I know. Um, They're like scared to go near their grandparents or like go yeah. near strangers. Um, so yeah, it's really sad that that's been ingrained into their mind, especially as the subconscious mind is forming under the age yeah. of seven. It's like a key yeah. time. So I can only imagine how that's going to affect them, but we're not going to know until decades later. That's the scary part. My partner has a six-year-old son and yeah, it is just interesting to observe where for him, it's normal to go to school and wear a mask. It's normal to not touch other people at recess. It's normal when we go to the store for him to be like, do you have a mask? Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, it's good in wow. some ways how like adaptable they are, but then it's also yes. scary like how this, like these past few months can like influence everyone's behaviors like so quickly. Exactly. And you just want to say, you should be a kid. You, don't, you shouldn't have to think about this. Worrying about like germs and all of that. Not good. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask about irregular cycles. And someone asked about um, the cycle being on the opposite moon cycle. So most women are told that they should ovulate on the full moon, have the period on the new moon. I'm actually the opposite. So I have my period mm. on the new full moon ovulate with the new moon so the opposite one mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about that and the significance of it and have you found that those with irregular cycles getting back in touch with the, the light and the dark the circadian rhythm does it help to normalize the menstrual cycle or get the period back if they have amenorrhea mm, that's a great question so there's kind of the spiritual side of it and then there's the more scientific side of it i think it's beautiful to marry them together personally um, so some would say that, yes, traditionally women bled with the new moon. That was a time of darkness. And that's a time when if our bodies were not surrounded by all this artificial light, our, our uterus would be triggered to release. And with the full moon, we'd understand that it's light. Uh, naturally, we'd see that surge in estrogen. We'd want to be intimate. This is why they say more babies are made during a full moon, more babies are birthed during a full moon. Full moon is a time of aliveness, so it makes sense to ovulate. But we're surrounded by artificial lighting everywhere i don't know if you've mastered the art of sleeping in total darkness i'm I try still my best. right it's, it's like possible. 
<laughs> it, yeah, it does feel impossible. Even with the best curtains, you feel like there's still something affecting you. So some would say if you're in the phase of bleeding with the full moon, you're in a phase of creativity and building. So you're in a state of really transforming, I guess you could say. Others would say if you bleed with the new moon, you're in a state of receiving and listening and learning. So that's kind of a cool little mm -hmm. significance to it. When people have amenorrhea or they're skipping ovulation, I think this is a powerful part to look at because if we're not having periods, it is possible you're not ovulating. It's probably one of the most common reasons besides like a anemia or a true mineral deficiency. So um, in terms of getting the body to ovulate again, I do think this is part of it. So when we sleep in total blackness most of the month so that our body understands this is when we're supposed to be releasing and then leave a light on during the ovulating time or the full moon time, it is a way to start to, we could say biohack, such a, such a trendy <laughs> word, right? <laughs> we can biohack the system and teach it, hey, this is when you're supposed to be ovulating. This is when you're supposed to bleed and encourage that circadian rhythm or even infradian rhythm to start to, to maximize um, how it's working. So, yeah. I think I read I a study one time that even like a very small pea-sized amount of light behind someone's knee in the middle of the night was enough to like mess with the circadian rhythm. So that's crazy. That so scary. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like wrapping myself in blankets, <laughs> taping the alarm yeah. clocks. No, I don't get that. It's crazy. <laughs> But sleep's yeah. important. Sleep is it, really important. Do you love coffee, but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS, and period problems? Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides, which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great is organic and mold free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores. Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess. But King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs. And if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity or suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, the reishi can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics, the regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. 
This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. What do you find like the main mistakes that people make or like the simplest things that people overlook when it comes to hormones? Like the biggest mistakes. Hmm. Like, do you mean just in like random things we all do? Yeah. That yeah. Or like when I said that? with um, the simplest things, like people like really don't prioritize their sleep. Some mm-hmm. people wake up at like 4am to go to a gym class because they think that that's going to be better for the whole During their period. Yeah. During the period to add on top of that. Um, and I'm like, no, I'd rather you sleep in. That's going to be mm-hmm. so much more beneficial. So like just little things like that that might be wrong, but a lot of people oh um, believe. <laughs> I know we already touched on two big ones one is sleep sleep's not that important or I'll sleep when I'm dead or you Mm. hear you hear all the things yeah if you're not getting your solid seven plus hours of sleep a night how can you expect to perform optimally so um, I had a client just the other day and he's a male client I very rarely work with men but he wanted to work with me so I thought that's great Um, and then we kind of were going through all of his hormone things low testosterone was his big problem and we boil it all down and he's sleeping four to five hours a night I thought I can't just when the testosterone is made so no yeah yeah truly but um you know he's looking for more of a supplement fix and I'm like whoa whoa whoa. first we got to back up a little bit because if the the foundation is not working there's nothing I can give you that will fix that so sleep massively important and I've been going to bed before 10 p.m recently to just give that a try since they say hormonal hormonal health wise that's optimal I do feel amazing have you given that a try? Yeah, I pretty much always go to bed at like 9.30 anyway. <laughs> We're like secretly very old. Yeah. I mean, especially when the clocks went back a couple of weeks ago. It's mm. dark from like 4 p.m. onwards now. So I'm really exhausted at like 9 p.m. So probably going to bed even earlier. We're so good. <laughs> Little grandmas. But yeah. our hormones are uh, better off because of that. Exactly, exactly. And then you touched on exercise. And oh my gosh, this is especially, I don't know if it's infiltrated everywhere, but especially in America, the idea is if you want to be fit, you just work out more. Mm -hmm. So more, 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 you go to the CrossFit class, or I remember I used to go to this spin studio and they would really reward the people that stayed for three classes in a row, three hours of sitting on a stupid bike. I'm saying stupid because it was so hard. It was so (laughs) much harder than anyone understands. And I just thought I would die if I did three back-to-back classes. Um, And especially if we already have an underlying hormone imbalance, that is just fuel on the fire. And that's one of the the biggest misconceptions. When people come to me, they're already burnt out. Their adrenals are absolutely crashed. Their hormones are everywhere. They have no sex drive. They feel fatigued all the time. Sometimes the best recommendation for them is to stop exercising, to go on a 30-minute walk. And they look at me like I'm nuts. Like, what do you mean? I'm going to gain weight you're not going to gain weight. Your poor adrenals are so taxed that you're not going to lose the weight no matter how many spin classes you do. So, um, especially during your period. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Do you like take it off completely or do you just go with gentle walking or stretching? I'm a huge proponent for being intuitive about it. So if someone was really, really wanting to, you know, make sure they don't lose muscle mass or something, they could do some gentle strength training. I think there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah, better yet, I think doing some gentle yoga at home or yeah, going for a walk or a gentle hike 
in the long term is going to serve you so much more. But have you noticed if you Google, what do you do for painful periods? The number one recommendation is always exercise. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Why do they tell us that? No idea. <laughs> Why do they tell us to exercise three classes in a row? Money. Right, and reward you. I was like, what? Crazy. And we yeah. wonder why America and the UK have the problems that they do with this exactly. advice. But all of the good websites have been censored now. So mm -hmm. like the natural health websites, you can't find them. They're like on page 10. So just yeah. another another cover up from Big Pharma, I think. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And then I think that's the, the last big misconception or a thing that drives me nuts to see online is this idea that hormones are just going to go out of balance. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, birth control is probably just the best fix for everything. And um, it's just part of being a woman. How disempowering is that? We're probably biased with the people who come to see us, but in my opinion, probably yours, the, the con contraceptive pill, birth control, synthetic hormones, usually never ends well sometimes there can be like a honeymoon period where maybe your skin does clear up mm -hmm. and maybe you have no periods at all well they're not real periods anyway it's just the pill bleed but they're yeah. like amazing like i don't have the heavy flooding periods and pain like i used to but then after time maybe the gut starts to become a problem they develop yes. food sensitivities they get eczema and they're like oh it's not related to the pill because if it was it would have happened right away i would have noticed and that's why they remain on it. They're scared to come off. And it's only when they're really wanting to have kids that they come off and then they don't have a period again. And they have to wait. They have to go through all of this stress. So I always like emphasize to people, if you're thinking of having kids, please give yourself minimum one year, ideally mm. two, to mm -hmm. just get your body, start ovulating again, get everything ready. Because if you go into that pregnancy compromised in any way, um, then your experience of pregnancy, your child's health long-term could potentially be affected. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad that you also speak out about birth control and just mm -hmm. giving people the knowledge they need to make an informed decision. And this is a random tangent, but you wouldn't believe it. I got a message from someone on Instagram a few days ago who went in to have her IUD removed. And when the doctor asked her, why do you want the IUD removed? And the woman said, well, just because I don't want it. I don't like how I feel it. I don't, I'm questioning the long-term effects. The doctor would not remove it for her. She said, that's not a valid reason. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like this what? is how we treat women's health. It's like, like to do that. I don't know. And that's what I said to her. I said, well, you have to remember your doctor works for you. Like it's not the other way around. You yeah. fire that doctor yeah. and you find a better doctor. Like, no, no. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I've heard some crazy stuff, but refusing to take out the IUD because it, oh. they're acting like you're going to be reckless or something if you don't have a birth control method. I'm surprised or... they didn't like put her on an antidepressant at the same time and say, you're depressed, like, are you okay? Yeah. Some hysteria going yeah. on here. Yeah, gosh. Crazy times. Um, so with um, PCOS, that is one of the conditions that we're told, like exercise more, just cut your calories. What have you seen to work best for women with PCOS and symptoms like Hirschitism, um, no ovulation, weight gain, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Well, just the birth control pill. <laughs> that always works. <laughs> we know that you're lying, Cassandra. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I couldn't keep a straight face. But that's what they're told. They're told you'll never have kids. You have to be on birth control forever. Best of luck. And that's heartbreaking to me. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. 
Um, well, there are so many different kinds of PCOS now. And have you heard they're thinking of renaming PCOS because mm -hmm. it's not always to do with the cysts. So yeah. now they're making it more of a glandular thing, which mm -hmm. I think is cool. Um, and maybe we'll change the kind of the fear around the term PCOS. But um, for me, I think it's, again, looking at what's going on hormonally. So if the androgen thing is part of the problem, well, what are we doing to lower the androgens or lower testosterone? What um, are the under, other indicators the body is giving us? So I find that balancing blood sugar is one of the most effective things that I've found with my clients. So looking at their diet, making sure they're prioritizing protein and fat at every meal, just that can be pretty life-changing yeah, for them. Yeah, and then the whole exercise thing. Yeah, looking at the people that are go, 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 told that you know, they're overweight just because they're lazy. They need to exercise more. Um, wow, <laughs> there's so much I can say about that, but I won't. So yeah, balancing the blood sugar, reducing exercise, looking at what's going on with the androgens, and then also supplementing the adrenals and the thyroid, I find is like the trifecta of managing those symptoms because they'll say PCOS is incurable but the symptoms are 100% manageable. So I'm proof. Like I don't have PCOS symptoms anymore, so it can be done. Yeah, 100%. What was the big game changer for you in your journey? Well, mine's different to a lot of people because mine was mold exposure, which is like mm. completely like crazy to think. But I'd been, I'd tried literally everything. I'd healed my gut 50 times. I'd done all the adrenal protocols and I got to a place a few years back where I could pretty much um, keep my symptoms at bay as long as I was eating a low histamine, organic, really strict diet, um, low carb. Um, I was exercising and I was taking hundreds of pounds worth of supplements and herbs every month. Like I, I could function pretty well. I could ovulate, my skin was pretty clear. But then I started to think like, that's not normal. If I strayed away from my diet or didn't take the supplements, everything would come right back. So then I was like, okay, like I'm obviously not addressing the, the root root of the problem. And for me, it was mold exposure, which I don't want anyone just to like start jumping into because there was like, obviously there's basic things that can be done. So for me, getting out of that environment, reducing the inflammation that my body was under, like my body was so inflamed that my my pituitary gland like the brain to over communication had just shut down um so like i'd stopped ovulating my gut was a mess because these mycotoxins can kind of cause um leaky gut my yeah my body was just so reactive to everything like all of these foods so my cause of pcos was like mold exposure which is like crazy to think of but i also like to share it because it could be also someone else's missing puzzle piece but i don't want anyone just to like jump and do that because for someone it's just fixing their thyroid problem or going through a gut protocol slowing down reducing stress that the pcos symptoms resolve so that's like 90 percent of people mm -hmm. it's a lot less complex right right mm. and maybe you've answered this in i've listened to some of your like mold and emf and all, you know i love the experts you bring on but did you touch on how did you ensure your new place was mold free? Hmm. I didn't do any testing. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Um, it's an old building, so, but it was completely ripped out, like, like from um, like a blank canvas. So 
I think I just knew intuitively and I just like trusted my intuition that it was fine. I have the nose of a bloodhound now so I can smell mold. <laughs> it's like a blessing and a curse because I go into somewhere and I'm like, right, there's mold here. So when I came in here, I just felt calm. I felt absolutely fine. But um, I didn't do a formal test. I don't know. Yeah. And I was really careful about what I brought in because some like furniture and things can be contaminated. I was buying new furniture anyway, so that was kind of good. But with my clothes and everything, I was really careful about like washing them and trying to purge whatever I didn't need. Lived a bit of a minimalist life for a while. But um, yeah, I feel like my body's obviously telling me that it's healing. I've lost maybe, um, I think I've lost 10 kilograms, 20 pounds oh. in weight in Jeez. since June. So huge reduction in inflammation. I've done mineral testing, my sodium, my inflammation levels dropped. Um, I'm ovulating again. So my body's telling me that this environment is fine. So Good. Good. Yeah. But I would recommend other people test with something like an Ernie, um, mm. the, the air quality if they're moving house whenever possible. Okay. Wow. Crazy stuff. You don't think about until you're affected by yeah. it. But a huge one was like the stress reduction. And I'm really getting into kind of the masculine and feminine. I think we touched on this last time as well. I don't know if it's, again, just me and the people who I attract, but the PCOS ladies tend to be very masculine in their energy. And obviously Ooh. with the hormones, they've got high testosterone, high androgen levels. So Ooh. they tend to be the perfectionists, the type A, the entrepreneurs, the um, business owners, and the like the over exercisers, marathon runners, all of that, that have PCOS. So could you talk a bit about how to reconnect to your feminine energy? Um, I'm sure this can help other conditions as well, like endometriosis and amenorrhea in particular, so missing periods mm. and the importance of that feminine energy. Wow. Well, it's safe to say in our world, we really value masculine energy, which is the like, go and create and do and make it happen, right? These words we've all heard our entire lives, which hustle. is important. Yes. Hustle. <laughs> hustle. Yeah, that's the 2020 word. So we hear these words and we're really rewarded for them. But the thing is, is that not all of us have to operate in that mindset all the time. Those of us that feel more feminine also can reconnect to this feminine part of ourselves. But in our culture, we tend to think of feminine as weak, the masculine as strong. And I think we're starting to see this rebalance where we're recognizing that it's okay to embody these feminine traits. To be in our feminine flow is more of an idea of learning the art of receiving, listening, being intuitive, making responses from you know, more of a heart-centered or even a gut-centered space rather than logical like the masculine would. This is the art of pause and reflect. And also, we could even say going with the flow. So letting go of rigidity, <laughs> rigidity and being okay with allowing things to be as they are. I would dare to say that it's more of an art to understand the feminine and the masculine. Anyone can force things. Anyone can make something happen. But how well do you sit in discomfort when you don't like something? How well do you adapt when something goes a different way? That's the marker of your feminine. And for women especially, the more we tune into our cycles, the more we're taught the wisdom of going through these cycles. There are times of your cycle you can be more in your masculine energy around, say, ovulation, when you do have peak energy, your libido is higher, you do feel more creative. But what about the opposite? What about that end of your luteal phase, period phase? 
when your body's telling you to rest and reflect, to receive, that the most productive thing you can do is slow down. So I think that's where learning our cycles is the greatest teacher because it gives you that blueprint to how to cycle and change throughout the month. And I think when we learn that, it's kind of a, a softening of our shoulders to be like, oh, I don't have to fit this artificial mold that was never intended for me. I can actually just be myself. And that's a cyclical being. Yeah, and I think, I think women these days like feel guilty or bad if they don't want to have a business or they just want to be a stay-at-home mom. They, mm. they feel like they're inferior for some reason. But a lot of people like at the core, they just want to have a family and that's kind of what they're on the earth for. So mm. I think we need to get back to listening to our body again. We're like so bombarded by information. Like Instagram's a great place and obviously it allows us to connect and like share things with our audiences. But then I can see how people get overwhelmed because like one person's telling them one thing, the other person's telling them, no, don't do that, do this. So it can be very overwhelming. Um, so I'm definitely trying to like come back to my intuition and listen to that gut reaction. Are you into, mm-hmm. have you done your human design chart? You know, I, I only know the likes of, I'm a manifesting generator. Okay. And then it kind of is all like, phew. And I keep meaning to book a a reading to actually have someone tell me what what all these things mean. What are you? I'm a generator. Of course. And here we are. We're like, let's build businesses. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you're kind of the, you've got a lot of ideas, but, Mm. and you've also got that generator aspect like me, where we need to do what we enjoy, what lights us up. And when we do that, we actually get energy. So we could Mm. work 12 hour days nonstop, as long as it's something that we absolutely love. Whereas if we start accepting um, events and invitations to do things that we're not 100% aligned with, it will drain our energy so quickly and we'll like hate doing those things. So we need to like listen to our gut instinct and follow kind of what our body and intuition is telling us, which we kind of already knew, but it's nice to get that feedback from a piece of paper or an online quiz totally. <laughs> totally totally and for me it also made me realize like why I, I didn't thrive in the corporate world like no wonder because I didn't like what I did and it, yeah it drained me I remember going home just empty because mm-hmm. I'm so toxic. and what did you do prior I'm sure you you mentioned this on our first episode but how did you get into being a naturopathic doctor Yeah, well, I knew I wanted to be a naturopath from very young. When I was like 13, I had read this book by this dietitian. She was a a naturopath and a dietitian here in the U.S., and she was helping people heal naturally. And I remember being like, that's what I want to do. That's amazing. She's helping people be liberated by their health experiences. So I was like a really nerdy health kid. (laughs) And um, But it's funny, you know, I was doing my bachelor's in health and nutrition. It was so food guide pyramid like set up and you know you're diagnosed with a certain thing you're condemned for it forever you can never heal the body's just meant to fall apart so I remember being so disillusioned by that version of health and thinking like maybe this was all a big mistake maybe I don't want to be a naturopath so and then of course in the meantime you're trying to have a job so I worked in uh, the corporate world of security largely and um talk about like the most masculine job you can have where everything is so rigid and by the book and yeah it was absolutely stifling interesting yeah that's so cool I didn't really have a career I only worked in customer service before Mm. I studied I was 
how old was I was when I started? I think I was 20, I was 19 when I started studying nutrition. I think I was okay. one of the youngest in my class. So yeah. I'm glad that I, with all of the health stuff that I've been through, I've always said like I was meant to do this. And I feel like the universe has thrown all of these symptoms and health issues at me so that I can learn and then help other people. But I'm like, okay, universe, that's enough. I don't need, don't need any more things to, to learn about. I'm good. I got the lesson, yeah. But are you, I'm guessing you're into like the law of attraction and what you put into the world, you kind of get back out. How does this tie into um, menstrual issues as well? Because I've seen people who they've come from a family with like the mum side having tons of period problems and they've just been ingrained to believe that it's just destiny like they're gonna get that as well and then no wonder that they develop endometriosis or painful periods so can we use that to like our advantage and like use our brains to help us heal oh my gosh this is where some people think it sounds a little fluffy to be like the law of attraction and all that but there's a book that everyone I would really recommend listening to. It's called Mind Over Medicine, but mm-hmm. it's this physician that shows how powerful the mind is. And so she talks about people that have gone into the doctor's office. They're told they have cancer, they've got six months, and then they're going to die. Best of luck, get your affairs in order. Those people literally die six months later, and they go in and realize they were misdiagnosed. They read them the wrong chart, but because they believed they had a terminal disease and they were going to die, they died. And that's like not a one-time thing. This has happened thousands of times. And so what that illustrates in this book is what you believe about your health is largely what you will experience. So even to the extent of, you know, if you go into your period every month and think, oh my God, my period's the worst. I always get horrible cramping and I can never go to work. And it's just, you know, insert really limiting belief. What do you think you're going to experience? And yes, it's the same. These young girls that are growing up, say, with a mom that that doesn't necessarily present the most empowering view of menstruation that really sees it as a burden and it's the worst and you have to deal with it for 40 years. What do we think this young woman's going to believe about her period? Are we going to be surprised? Or it's the same when we talk about, you know, uh, when something runs in our family, like you said, well, endometriosis just runs in my family or everyone in my family just gets breast cancer. Genetics really is a fairly small piece of the puzzle. I would dare to say the belief around it is a bigger impact than this little genetic piece and then lifestyle, obviously. So if you're on the path of healing, changing the way you talk about your body is really empowering. So for example, when I developed those thyroid issues, I found it was so limiting to say, I have this diagnosis. I find it a lot more empowering now to say that previously I was diagnosed with this because I don't claim that anymore. It's not Mm -hmm. part of my reality. So everyone can feel into that and take what they want from that. But yeah, if you're walking around saying, this is my diagnosis, they say I'll never have kids, they say this is never going to happen. It's so harming to these young women who are told, I was never told like, you're infertile, you can't have kids. I was just told, oh, just go on the pill. And when you're ready to have kids down the line, there's fertility medications that you can go on. So (laughs) I wasn't that empowering. Um, But yeah, even in scientific research, they're saying, 90 to 95 percent is environmental like all of these cancers and chronic diseases only five to ten percent is genetic so that's coming from like the conventional doctors um in the research but it's not in the the doctor's hands now because research is like 30 years prior what they're learning in med school currently so maybe in the next few decades the law of attraction and energy medicine and all of that is going to be 
at the forefront. Oh, I hope, I hope so. Exactly. Yeah. The other part of that book, just to conclude that, that I really liked is she talked about how as practitioners, we have the power to liberate the people we work with or box them in. So for example, a client that I just started working with was told at 15 that she had PCOS and she would never have children. That's, that should be abuse. How can in, they in say that? It's not even, it's not even true. It's not. And, and so here she is, you know, US can have kids. Exactly. And so to put that in the mind of a young woman who's so vulnerable and probably so scared and is, you know, having all these period symptoms, that's disgusting to me. That should not be okay. So instead, even if it was a very serious diagnosis, even if it was something that definitely did require huge medical intervention, what if we told them that this is what's going on? I have seen some people improve with this, this, and this. Lifestyle is really important. I know you can take care of yourself. So really stay vigilant with your protocol or whatever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a way different yeah. uh, way to leave a doctor's yeah. office. It takes a same amount of energy, but it can have like completely different results. Yep. So exactly. yeah, perfect. Well, I've just been having a little think what I want to do next. I know the last <laughs> time I up on three questions, so I'm not going to ask you the same things as I did last time. So we're going to do a fun little, um, would you rather this or this finish up? And then a few of like your favorites favorite things so it'll make sense okay. to go through so <laughs> rapid fire few questions and then i'll let you go so coffee or matcha uh, matcha mm -hmm. yoga or pilates yoga dogs or cats i can't i can't both i you love them both say, like you don't <laughs> like either <laughs> no that, that's just crazy cats. i have well, yeah, i have one oh, of both have, so. okay makes sense Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. City or beach holiday or vacation? Beach, totally. Fruit or veggies? Probably veggies. And what is your favorite veggie, vegetable? I'm like on a broccoli kick right now. <laughs> Yeah, like baked, you know, to where it like yes. it's a little just like slightly yum crunchy on the outside. Oh my gosh. What is your favorite plant? I know that you're a huge plant mom as well. Do you have a favorite? I know. I'm like, I love that you have all these plants in your background. And <laughs> is it like um, choosing your favorite child if I asked you what your favorite of, plant is? I, I mean, I love a, a good pothos just because they're yeah. like, they're so pretty in the mm -hmm. vine. I love the vines and like they can really handle some neglect in the vines. So if you <laughs> forget about them, they they forgive you. <laughs> I can't. I'm not good. A lot of mine are fake because of the mold issue. I'm like oh, uh, yeah, don't want another yeah. potential driver. But I just can't keep a lot of things. I kill. Uh, I tried broccoli sprouts one time. I was like, oh, I'll support my estrogen detox. And then they were like moldy and horrible. No. <laughs> I was like, I'll just buy them from the store. It's fine. <laughs> Do you have a favorite herb? Mm. Uh, it would either be nettle or mm -hmm. red raspberry. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Mm. And what would your last meal be? So if you were given the choice, you're not in prison or anything. You can <laughs> go to any, <laughs> any restaurant anywhere in the world. Is it all like home cooked foods oh from your gosh. grandma, like anything? 
I, this is like, I know a lot of people in the natural health world are more vegan centered, oh, but I'm no, like all about this good, <laughs> excellent steak, you know, like organic grass fed, beautiful with some like asparagus and mushrooms and onions or yeah. something. Yeah. I just have like a big platter of beef and lamb. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I don't so want the, the salads for a last meal. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. Anyway, that's all my questions. Thank you so much, Cassandra. Remind everyone again where they can find you online and on Instagram, because I know that you're really active on that. Yeah, thank you. This has been so fun. So I'm at CassandraWilder.com or Instagram at Menstruation Queen. Amazing. And your podcast? Yes, the Goddess Ceremony podcast. So if you like this conversation, you can hear me chat about all sorts of random things on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone-friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrollment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.